Welcome back. Now, the book of Romans has to lay out a treatise, and a treatise begins that we are all guilty of sin. In chapter one, it talks about the two books from which we learn about our God, the book called the Bible and the book of nature. And both are very, very, very important, and I would love to go off on that tangent for the next couple of weeks, but we have places to be, things to do. So, chapter one begins all of this list of terrible sins, and it's gonna seem a little bit repetitive because he's building a case, and the case is against two of the, the really the only two divisions in the early church, the Gentiles, who the Jews were just very appalled at some of the sins of the Gentiles, and then the Jews. And Paul's gonna turn the tables and say, Jews, we are also guilty. We all need the grace and, and gift of God. And that will show up, we'll see it in chapter five a bit, but then especially in chapter eight. So, chapter two. You therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same things. Now, at first we can say, uh, no, no. If somebody murders someone, I can say, they murdered someone. That doesn't mean I'm guilty of murder. That is, that's absolutely correct. He's not talking about observational skills here. He's saying, we look at that person and go, oh, look at them. They are drinking to excess. I don't approve of that. That's, that's a sign of a weak moral character, that is. And yet, we might buy to excess. We might eat to excess. We might work to excess. We can even play to excess. I mean, I love a good football team and I love to watch football. But if you're standing there in the snow, bare-chested with the name of your favorite player painted on you and wearing an outrageous hat, yeah, best not to start flinging stones about the place. You see, there you are. I've never murdered anybody except in my mind. Um, and my mind has done violent things and it has, it has suggested terrible things. And I have to filter all that out, but the fact is it's still in me. And Paul's saying, we cannot judge each other because we are all sinners. Now again, we can, we, absolutely we can notice things. Listen, you've drunk to excess, you cannot be driving a car. I'm gonna get between you and a car, I'm taking your keys. Or you're not able to provide for your family because you're drinking so much. These are not judgments, but observations. And it is true that observation can slide right into judgment. And so we always have to watch where our feet are on the matter. Um, and then verse five, because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed, God will give to each person according to what he's done. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he'll give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Um, and he'll go on and say, in fact, there, there is wrath for everybody who does evil, the Jew first and then the Gentile. So the Jews aren't gonna get off here. Um, and I, I can understand how that would surprise and upset them because they were God's chosen people and God loved them. And by the way, Paul's gonna make it very plain, God still does, and very much so, and that they are still the elder brother in the room. 
But then he's going to say, listen, you, you don't get to pick up rocks. You don't get to judge either. Just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's sinful or wrong. It may not be your, your taste. That doesn't mean it's wrong at all. Instead, we are to be persistent in living good moral lives. That's our job, to police ourselves, not to police others or a system or a nation. Police ourselves, do good, and by doing good, you'll lift up Jesus. By lifting up Jesus, you draw all men to him. Um, it says God does not show favoritism, and that's just as in, uh, just because you're Jude, you don't get off. Just because you're Gentile, you don't get off. You're human beings. Verse 12 is a little confusing, frankly, a little section here. All who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. All who sin under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it is those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. And here's where he goes off into a parenthetical statement that really trips up some people. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature require, uh, things required by the law, they are a law for themselves, even though they do not have the law, since they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences, also bearing witness in their thoughts, now accusing, even now defending them. This will take place on the day when God will judge men's secrets through Jesus Christ, as my gospel declares. Um, and, and by the way, when he says my gospel, it's not a new gospel. Paul's just saying my good news here. We probably would have been better to translate that rather than leave the word gospel in. But the good news is this. Uh, those people who don't know how to follow God and they're, they're not sure, but they choose a righteous good path because of what we used to call natural law. Uh, C.S. Lewis appeals to natural law extensively in his um, um, classic book, Mere Christianity. And if you've not read it, you should. It's, it's a very British book, so the language there will be a bit um, stilted and complex for some, but the ideas are not complex, and so you do yourself a favor. That said, natural law, I mean, there, there are no nations, for example, that put up statues uh, and, and to honor a coward. Uh, there are no nations where, where people sing and dance um, to, to show that they're very proud of their mother's many adulterous affairs. And the closest we get to that are people that uh, worship or adore Hollywood stars that do the same. But those stars are not true stars and they will fade in the light of day. His whole, whole point is something in us understands the concept of justice. We need to be listening to that. And some people out there who don't know what we teach are still living good lives because they've chosen to do good and they seek to do good. And Paul says, if they're doing it, God acknowledges it because God knows the secrets of the hearts. He understands where they come from. And this gives us all kinds of problems because we have then people say, whoa, 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 whoa. Are you saying that if a person's not baptized, doesn't take the Lord's Supper, doesn't organize the church right, that, that they can be saved? God can and will save who he chooses to save. And I do believe with all my heart, he is far more merciful and loving than we give him credit for. And if you wanna swing all the way then and saying, are you saying Hitler's in heaven? What I'm saying is God is merciful he is also just, 
He is smart and he loves us. I'm going to let him decide who gets to go. What we can do is say, if we know something, like the Jews here had the law, he said, then obey the law. He says, but some Gentiles, they don't have the law, but they're following the law because it's written on their hearts. It's not a book. They have made a decision to be good people. So I'll give an example. While her doctrine was, I would question so much and, and debate so much about her doctrine, and, and she would have with me, I cannot put my righteousness up against Mother Teresa's. Um, I've not sacrificed as much. I don't love as much as she did. And I, you know, God knows that, so you may as well too. We need to be very honest about our own failings and say, you know something? God does save sinners because he's saving me. I should not be offended if he saves someone else who's also a sinner. He talks about the Jews and the law. He says, now, if you call yourself a Jew, um, and again, remember, Paul's a Jew, so he's not being anti-Jew here. He's saying, come on, guys, we're all supposed to be on the God team here. And if you call yourself a Jew, you're supposed to be wearing the jersey and doing the sports ball things. I hope that wasn't too complex a sports metaphor. Uh, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and brag about your relationship to God, if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you're instructed by the law, there's a hint of sarcasm here. If you're convinced that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of infants, because you have in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then, who teach others, do you not teach yourself? Practice what you preach, I think, is the, the American English version of that. It's, it's very true. I, how, many, how many times do we hear preachers, uh, male and female, um, falling and taking so many souls with them when they go? It's one of the reasons why I try to stay very open about my own failings and faults and um, my, my struggles with the faith and this, that, or the other. But I, is, I don't want to be on any pedestal where I cannot survive the fall. We are all struggling toward the light. The good news is the light loves us and we're going to be all right. But we should be practicing what we preach. I have seen adults who are very undisciplined. And I don't want to go specific because then you're going to assume I'm only talking about one kind of person. But they are undisciplined in their behavior, um, in their manner of life that yell at their kids because the kid's undisciplined. Well, excuse me, but they, they may have learned that. My wife has arthritis and, and some serious pain issues and some joints that cannot be taken care of by transplants and the like. So when, our, when the weather's warm and our neighborhood pool is open, she goes and she will do her water exercises there, which you know, I'm very, very grateful that we have that kind of uh, facility available to us but she'll often come back brokenhearted because little kids will be in there little kids will come and play and parents never look up they're looking at the phone the whole time and sometimes the kids are struggling and my wife will have to go over and move them to a shallower part or the kids are doing something and they're going mommy 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 they just want to be seen and now, when those kids become teenagers and their parents are going, you just can't get through to them. Where do you think they learned that? 
By the way, it doesn't have to be a phone. It can be a football game. It can be that you're too busy cleaning the house to care about those in it. I don't know. Just be aware. If we tell others to be disciplined, we better be disciplined people. And none of us really are terribly disciplined, are we? Of course not. Tomorrow night, I know when you see this, it's going to be almost a month past. I mean, two or three weeks past. Uh, we're going to have a party at our house to, uh, to mark a celebration of the, uh, the first anniversary of when we were fired. And um, yeah, we're doing a party because it's, it's been a great year. Uh, there's going to be cake. I will be only somewhat disciplined. You know, to be disciplined, one would have to have a couple of bites. To be a glutton, you'd have to have one more bite than I will have. To be perfect, you may only eat what I eat. You see what I did there? If you didn't, rewind. <laughs> we always set ourselves up as the, the measuring stick of proper behavior. I will probably take a few more bites than are strictly necessary and go beyond my discipline. I will try not to do that again uh, until at least Thanksgiving. But even then, I'm gonna try to be disciplined, but I'm not gonna be perfectly disciplined, are you? Of course not. Therefore, you have to be very careful. And, and he uses, Paul goes on, he says, if you say don't steal, do you steal? Uh, if you say don't commit adultery, do you? And he's talking there, you know, we can steal people's reputations. We can steal their joy. Oh, joy stealers are everywhere. They would, joy stealers would be appalled if you would suggest that they would take a packet of gum without paying for it or that they took a pen from your house. But they have no problem stealing your ability to earn money by killing your reputation, murdering it, or by stealing your joy by coming in and going, I do not appreciate this. I do not approve of this. Do you know what, what, you took the vaccination? Oh my goodness, or what, what, you didn't take the vaccination? Oh my, don't be a thief of joy. Let people enjoy. I was at the playground with a couple of our grands and there's somebody else there, then their kid looked, and they, they were getting very nervous. And they looked over at me and they said, don't, don't you get really nervous about what germs there are on all the, no, this is pre-COVID, but even now, no. Why, why, why would, they need to be kids. And kids ingest a certain amount of dirt and then they spread the joy. <laughs> don't, don't walk up to somebody and go, how do you let your, your kid do that? Don't be a joy thief. I call them joy toilets. Because when you see them, they've, you've just flushed away joy and some of, uh, and about a half hour of your time if you don't watch out. Don't make eye contact, that's one of the rules. Uh, you who brag about the law, do you dishonor God by breaking the law? You see, now this one, this one is a little close to home because I make my living or a portion of it. I do a lot of other stuff too, but I make a good portion of my living and spend a lot of my time talking about Jesus and God. And if I am harsh, mean, corrupt, what does that do? I mean, that, that puts others in danger, but man, does it put me in danger. Paul's saying, you watch yourself, Patrick. You write hard on you. And then you speak of Jesus and let, let other people do with Jesus what they do. Your job is to let Jesus do with you. I, I hear that all the time in my head and heart. Um, it, in fact, it says, God's name is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. 
I would hate to hear from God that there were people out there that hated God because of the way I treated them. And yet how many of us can say that we've been treated worse by Christians than we were by people who weren't Christians? Most of us can. And that, my friend, is an indictment on us all. He goes, circumcision has value if you observe the law, but if you break the law, you become as though you've not been circumcised. Now, he goes on with an argument here. Here's the point that we can bring over to us, all right? If you go to church and you sing right, pray right, take the Lord's Supper right, you're baptized right, but it doesn't change your behavior, it doesn't change your, the way you treat people in private, it doesn't change what you comment, how you comment on social media, it doesn't change the way you spend your money and give your money, then going to church didn't do anything because you left church behind when you went away. It's like, Jesus, I'll be back to see you next week. No, no. In fact, he goes further and goes, the one who's not circumcised and yet keeps the law, in other words, they behave as morally right as they can, knowing what they know and giving allowance for what they don't know. He says, they'll be, they're better off than you because you have the law, but you act as if you don't have it. Wow. Uh, and then he ends, a man is not a Jew if he's only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit and not the written code. You, you know that applies to Christians exactly in the same way as it applies to Jews. By the way, the Jews he was, he was writing to here were also Christian. So everybody would have picked that up. A person's not a Christian just because they were baptized and because they go to church and because they say they are. They are a Christian if the baptism is in here and the church is in here and the spirit is in here. In here too, but mainly in here. God's faithfulness. He'll even So right now we're all basically on the floor bleeding out at this stage. So Paul uh, very wisely comes in and goes, so is there any advantage to being a Jew, an elder brother in a church, one who knows more about God than perhaps your neighbor who goes to a different church. You know, it's, it's you, you're going to the publics of, of, of churches, they're going to Aldi, you know, can, and so you're a better person. This is all humor people. Those of you that are humor deficient, it's a genetic issue, I'm sure, um, we'll, we'll start a GoFundMe for you, but I don't know what else to do. Um, what, is there any value in knowing more about God? Knowing all this theology stuff and going to the right church? He goes, yes. First of all, you were entrusted with the very words of God. I love that. We were entrusted with the very words of God. There's great value in that. He goes, well, what if some of, the, of us had had the, the words of God, we lacked faith? I mean, does that... Does that nullify the goodness of God? No, the goodness of God is a reality. It's a constant, it will never go away. The only thing in question is whether we're going to go with God or not. I'm reminded of the pre-battle scene in the book of Joshua, right before Jericho. Joshua who's never been afraid of anything, as far as we can tell. He was born a warrior. Walks out the, the night before the battle to pray and he sees there a man who is such a mighty man in armor that Joshua drops down. That's, that's, a, that's pretty shocking, actually. 
And Joshua, being a smart fella, says, Who are whose side are you on? Are you on our side or theirs? <clears throat> and this great mighty man looks at him and goes, I'm not on either of your sides. I'm the commander of the Lord's army, and I'm here to tell you what you're supposed to do. <laughs> it's kind of it, it's it's a little fun to look at from a distance, but Joshua, oh my goodness. If I was Joshua, I, I would still be shaking all these years later. I don't think I'd be able to get past this. You're going, you're not on our side? Here's a clue. God's not on your side and God's not on my side. God is for us. He loves us. But it's our job to be on his side. It's our job to grow, draw closer to him. Not, by the way, to sit on the front porch and point at the neighbors and talk about how they should be closer. No. Your job is to get you closer. So, verse um, 5 of chapter 3. If our unrighteousness brings out God's righteousness more clearly, then what shall we say? That God is unjust in bringing this wrath on us? Because I'm using a human argument. No. Point is this. If, um, if, if God's so holy and he knows we're not, well then why is he punishing us? Because he knows we're not good at... No, that's a human way of looking at things. No. You are to be drawing near to God because when he when his righteousness shows the lack of our righteousness, then we need to be making adjustments. It, it's rather like, and men are not good at this. I mean, come on, have a look. Most of my uh, times I'm doing these videos, my hair's all over the place because I don't look in mirrors much. I don't pay attention that much. And I drive an open vehicle a lot. I don't have that excuse today. It's just what it is. And, and it could be that this doesn't match whatever. I, I, but I, I look at my wife, and my wife pays very close attention when she looks in the mirror. She knows everything that's going on, and she makes adjustment. She'll even make an adjustment for what light we're going to be in. And, and she'll talk about, should I wear these shoes where we're going? And I'm going, I don't know. Uh, whatever ones you choose is really the one I would have chosen. I think every man out there is saying, amen. Um, when light is shown and it shows our imperfections, whenever I do look and my hair is doing this, it would be smart to make an adjustment to the hair. By the way, whenever you, you go through YouTube or you go through Vimeo or you use our app and every one of um, the videos I put up has me with a weird look on my face, that's what they do is they try, their algorithms try to find the most action shot they can or the most reactive moment and then they they make that the thumbnail and there's not much I can do about that but it does look like a crazy guy is coming at you sorry so when we look and we see the evil that is in us what do we do well first of all admit reality verse 9 what shall we conclude then are we any better we who have the Bible understand the scripture uh, are we better and I hear by the way I'm saying it's absolutely possible for you to understand the scripture way better than the person next to you who also has a Bible and goes to church. That's possible. Happens all the time. Well then, are we any better? No, he says, not at all. We're all under sin. And then he, he quotes out of Psalm 14, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. 
All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's none have done good. Not one. Their throats are open graves. By the way, it just keeps going. What? What do you do with that? Here's the thing with the book of Romans. Don't quit reading. Really, really, don't quit reading. There have been some series on television through the years. Um, we don't normally follow a lot of them. We, we stream our TV and we, if we're gonna watch a series, it's usually a British one or an Australian or a European one with subtitles. Um, but we don't even do much of that. But there are some people that have said, you've got to watch this series. It's the best series in the world. And we'll watch the first couple episodes and we'll go, no. And people come back, did you see it? And we'll say, well, we stopped after two. Oh, you can't stop after two. Because after eight, it gets really good. And I'm going, there's too much of an investment there. I'm not sure the payoff right now. In Romans, you don't have to trust me. You can just read it. He's going to bring you down because you've got to be down to understand the up. And oh, is he going to bring you up? Little bit in chapter five, gonna bring you a little bit more in chapter six. Chapter seven, you're gonna worry about yourself. You're going down, down, down. Chapter eight, oh, it's amazing. So hang with it, all right? The first thing you need to know, if you grew up in a church where they never mentioned grace, I'm sorry. Um, they did mention it in the church in which I grew up, but you only got grace if you earned it, which isn't grace, but they tried. They, they, they taught what they were taught. They never asked who told you who told you. So they taught what they were taught. If you've only heard about grace, that's also a problem because the only way we can appreciate grace is when we realize we really need it because we on our own cannot fix our broken state. That sin is sin. That adultery is not a fling. It's not a little thing. It's a sin. And that slander, libel, attacking somebody physically, verbally, emotionally is a sin. Until we realize that we are sinners, we'll never be able to really accept what grace is. So, Uh, by the way, uh, verse 19 and 20 have thrown a lot of people. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. I get that part. Whatever God has said to us, we read, we are now accountable and our mouths should be silenced, that judging mouth. Therefore, no one will be declared righteous in his sight by observing the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of sin. Law is not there to keep you, to declare you perfect or to give you a target that you can actually reach. It is there to show you where we are supposed to be. And when we're not there, to show us we're not there. So it wasn't set up for us to fail. It, sh it was set up to show us we need grace. For if we could have done this without grace, if we could have followed the law without grace, well then we wouldn't have needed Jesus. But everybody needs Jesus. So in verse um, 23, uh, 2 and 23, there is no difference. All have sinned and fall shorty, short of the glory of God and are just, and, and you might go, ah, oh, and then he goes, and are justified freely. Whoa, wasn't looking for that because he's just bringing us down, 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 down. 
you've all sinned, you've all fallen short of the glory of God, and without even a period, Paul leaps in and goes, and you are justified by, by freely by his grace. It's not like God goes, I guess. Don't disappoint him. Should have done better. Um, all right. No, it's throwing open the door, come in, and running down the, the driveway to get to you. Just like with the good father and the prodigal son. Freely through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus, Jesus paid the way. He paved and he paid it, and the Holy Spirit's walking us there. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed before and unpunished. And he did it to demonstrate his justice at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Christ. What's, what's going on? Saying Jesus died and by that, that death, he's taking care of all of the sins. All the sins before his death, he's taking care of all these sins. Now, I still believe we're, we're called to wait in the water and to come up to Christ, but you need to know that there's no reason to die with guilt. There's no reason to die unsaved. Uh, Jesus has laid this open and he's made it very, very simple to get there. It's not always easy. Uh, loving people is not easy. It's a very simple thing to do. What's my job today, Patrick? Love God and love my neighbor. Is that easy? You know, some days it really is. Other days, not so much. Um, and by the way, if you ask my neighbors, they'd look over at me and say, some days, pretty easy. Some days, not so much. I'm not proud of that. I'm just realistic. He goes, where then is our boasting? It is excluded. You know, I, I love what our safe harbor is doing. And I love all of you who've been giving to make this possible. It's just astounding. Thank you. <clears throat> if you don't know how to give, it's on our webpage, our safeharbor.com. I never push it, but those of you that can and do, you've, I'd, love, I'd love to brag, brag, brag. But you know something, it really isn't us. We never planned any of this. <clears throat> Excuse me. I haven't had to do that in a while. And I didn't choose this. This was chosen for us. And God drugged me kicking and screaming here. And look what's going on. It's just, it is amazing. And yet, I can't say, yeah, I, I did that. No, God did that. And if he did it through me, he can do greater things through you. And if you're thinking, what? what? No, no, I know me. I know me. He can do greater things through you. He, he, took, he took a pretty poor tool here and, and has done some mighty work with it. And yeah, I know what the word tool can mean. I'm good at that. Uh, we maintain that a man is, is justified by faith apart from observing the law. Um, is God the God of Jews only? Is he not the God of Gentiles too? Yes, of Gentiles too. There's only one God. And he goes on. We're going to, we, we got a break here really. And in the middle of a thought but we're gonna catch it next week, all right? So hang on in, in there. There's only one God, and I'll leave you with the practical application, shall I? 
we, the last village in which we lived in Scotland was the village of Dundonald. It's down in Ayrshire in the southwest of the country. Um, lovely little village uh, at the time. And our front door just opened up to the pavement, the sidewalk, and you know, just you know, three or four feet down the street. And I opened up the door once and um, swung around and I was facing this apparition. Very, very tall, almost unbelievably thin individual, um, young man, impossibly pale, um, skin tight clothes. And so I knew that tubes, like, it, it, Hair was uh, a pink spiked mohawk, um, had to be 10 inches, you know, as it went through there. Um, and then chains and such all wrapped around and stuck in them. And it was only maybe 10 o'clock in the morning and the smell of the booze was strong as he shuffled past me. My first thought was not a kind or gracious one. My first several thoughts weren't. Um, and then I heard in my heart, God loves him as much as he loves you. And Jesus hung on the cross as long for him as he did for you. Well, that's a game changer. So think about that. See you next week. Cheers.